Yeah, direct misfire, aiming up hits Bend some spoon and sell liquor in the mix Follow along, stay up to date Comment, like, subscribe today Hello champs and welcome once again to another Direct Misfire Missive. Joining me today as always is Selick. Hey hey. As well as returning regular Hugh. Howdy. As we have a chat to the Kings of War reigning champion of the world, Jeff Trache. Forever shall he reign. So <laughs> pull up a seat, grab a drink and let's get into it. How you going Jeff? Good thanks. It's good. Now before we get into today's main topic, we need to add another unit or two to our cloud giant army that we're creating for, let's say, the third edition. Yeah? Maybe fourth. We'll see. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay, so we've got a couple of infantry types now. We've put the vote up to the people, which we haven't tallied just yet at the time of recording. So just to change things up a bit, I'm going to introduce a few large infantry, which will be the main bulk of the army. Now, you're going to have your standard warrior types and your air elementals probably because they're cloud giants and stuff. So I'm just going to forget them and focus more on the wacky things. Okay, so the first choice that you will have to vote on, I call them giant huffers. So these are giants with a larger lung capacity and generally more girth. They're slower than your normal cloud giants, but they have an increase in your big breath. So big breath is like Windblast 6. They have a lower nerve and lower melee as their sooks because they kind of all they do is yell and they'd rather whine than fight. But as they're thick boys, they have a higher crushing strength. So that's the first unit, the giant huffers. The next one I call Crufflers. This is an odd spherical beast that kind of resembles critters from the 1980s movie Critters, but they're quite large and they mostly float everywhere. So big, bally things of gas and teeth. They have similar sort of stats to the Goblin Moor Beast pack, but they're height too, as they're larger. They're not nimble and they're a bit slower seeing as they float everywhere. But the key thing with this unit is that they can also be affected by your own big breath attack, so your giants can blow them about. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, then we have the third choice, the giant piffers. So this is one of the few ranged units. No traditional weaponry, as they can either throw rocks at an 18-inch distance with piercing one, or a regiment of piffers, because these are large infantry, a regiment of piffers can throw a friendly height one troop unit 12 inches. Or if you have a horde of piffers, you can throw a friendly height one regiment 12 inches. So if the thrown unit touches an enemy, so you could throw them at the enemy, the friendly takes half the unit's standard attack. So if you're throwing a regiment and they got 10 attacks normally, your friendly regiment that got thrown takes uh, five piercing one hits. You don't do a nerve check on that one. But the enemy takes the full standard amount of attacks, but piercing two, and they test nerve as normal. Mm. So they pick up your own units and throw them at the enemy. Interesting. And then the last one, we have Storm Colas. So this is a badass unit of giants that command lightning. And they know they look cool when they do this, so they only shamble because they don't run. So they only walk, uh, preferably in slow motion. And it's an average combat unit with an aura-type range attack. So any unit that's not of the cloud giant army, friend or foe, so if you have allies, they'll be affected by this as well, that are within six inches of a Stormcall unit, they take D3 plus three lightning bolt hits in the shooting phase. So that's even if they're in combat. Ooh. You've really thought about it this time. Oh, I like this. You've yeah, actually you can spent go to a little town bit. With these guys. You spent a little bit more than ten seconds on it this time. Hmm. Uh, I think about twelve minutes. So we've got the giant huffers, the crufflers, they're the beasts, the giant piffers, and the storm callers. So one by one, we'll go Selick, Jeff, and Hugh. Make have a think about it. Make a case for which one we should add to the army and why. And at the end, I will make a choice, and then we'll get the the listeners to make a second choice. All right. All right. All right. 
Well, I'm actually, this one here is quite easy for me, and I think I'm going to steal Hughes, but the Crufflers. Okay. I, I really like the Crufflers. So these guys here are the ones that uh, are big balls of air. They slowly levitate, yeah? Yeah, they just float about and bite things if they get in contact with them. Well, I was wondering how you were going to make your wind blast actually stack up in, in your army. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is the, the sort of thing that, that I like. So it's actually given your shit wind blast, <laughs> your your terrible wind blast, uh, giving it something a little extra. So I actually like those. So you said that they're looking a little bit like the gremlins, yeah? Uh, like critters. Or critters, sorry. Um, oh, I think that that's uh, going to look pretty good. Good modelling opportunities and a little bit of shenanigans, and I love my shenanigans. Hmm. What about you, Hugh? Well, actually, you were right. You did steal mine. I did like the <laughs> I, I liked all of the options, though. They're all pretty rad in their own way. You can still vote for it if you want. Uh, yeah, I will do. Uh, I, I think the Crufflers is, is my vote because I like the idea of them. How I'm imagining them is probably different to you because I can't recall exactly what critters look like. Okay. But I'm imagining them a bit like the moon from the Mighty Bush. So like a big, okay. a, a big spherical thing floating around still, but they've it's got like, you know, human flat teeth if you like rather than sharp nasty ones because we are talking about a good Mm -hmm. army and i like Mm -hmm. the idea of them having big flappy ears that catch the wind (laughs) as they get flying around i think it'd be cool if they had some sort of aura (laughs) (laughs) had some sort of aura that like when they if they get blown over another unit maybe they do damage on the way past or something like that maybe we can i can create another unit that does that that could be cool i like the idea of the huffers blowing the crufflers over other units (laughs) for added effect that's really cool and jeff what do you think what are we adding to this army what do you think we should add to this army? (laughs) it's a little bit boring because i'd pick the crufflers as well all right sounding like uh being blown around and the uh, sound of a big ball with uh, massive teeth or something getting blown Mm -hmm. into the enemy sounded pretty cool Mm. i thought they'd be the most effective of the of the ones that you'd said. The lightning bolt sounded interesting as well because hmm. it can do it into combat, so that was good. So I guess it's unanimous. So the giant piffers it is. No, the crufflers have won it. Crufflers are going to be added to the army. So you guys, the listeners, you'll get to vote on either the giant huffers, the piffers, or the storm callers to also add to this cloud giant army. But that is enough of that rubbish. Selick, what are we here for again? We are here for... For one man, and one man only, the Jeff Trace, the Masters Australian winner of 2016 and 17, and then recently, the Universal Battle 2 winner of the world of Call to Arms 2, Jeffrey Trace. Insert applause here. <laughs> so, welcome uh, unofficially and officially for the second time. Um, <laughs> second time. <laughs> Sorry. Do apologize for our technical error. Um, we blame technology completely. Um, definitely so Craig's fault. It's Craig's fault. Never definitely. use the error. Yeah. It's always Craig's fault. Definitely. So we do welcome uh, Jeff Trash, uh, Australia's number one. Um, and recently, the, as I mentioned, the Universal Battle 2 tournament that was held by Adam Padley, Call to Arms 2. You've recently won it. So we're going to get you here yep. to talk through it. And we can probably start from game one as much as you can possibly remember. It was back in May yes. now. <laughs> That's going to be the problem, isn't it? Before we talk about that, can we talk about the format of the tournament a little bit by any chance? I'm interested to learn what this uh, universal battle is. I mean, I do vaguely know what it is, but how that could work in a uh, organized play kind of setting. 
Yeah, well, that, you can run your normal tournament rules if you wish. The biggest difference with this one was you could change armies between rounds mm. and you could change points or agree to points for each round as well with, with your opponent. So you could run 1750 or 2250 or 2500, just depending on what you wanted to do. Most people sort of picked if they had a tournament coming up in a, a week or two time, They'd ask, oh, can we play 2,000 points? And the other person normally agrees. So. Oh, yeah. So did you play a range of different points then over the course of yes, the event? Yes, I did. Uh, mainly 2,000 and 2,250, I think, were the two main ones I did. So you didn't rack out any, like, madness 5,000-point games or anything like that? No, no. Never tried that. Hmm, fair enough. That would be fun. And just for our listeners, this was 38. So it was done over a couple of weeks. There was 38 people that participated. And these yeah. aren't your uh, backyard Sams or your next door neighbours. These are like some pretty big names. Some of our celebrities of the internet world there. Jesse Cornwell, Matt G, Matt Young's yeah. in there. Thomas Innes, uh, Todd Serpico, never short of an opinion over there. Um, <laughs> and uh, Patrick Allen. Like These are just some of the names that obviously are in there, which are pretty big. Um, some of these are like US and the UK number ones or one major tournaments. Yep. Um, so th- you've done quite well to uh, end up on top there, Jeff. Yeah, I was uh, I was hoping to do well, obviously, I'd do as best that I could. But uh, once I got to the top, I was I thought, yeah, I've got a chance here, and yeah, take them on one by one. I end up playing all people from the US and Canada. So didn't get to play any of the UK players, mainly because none of them got up to the top table. Ooh, shots fired, Jeff. (laughs) Sounds like the English. (laughs) Left your game, UK. I've got a lot of regular opponents in the UK that I play on you. Mm -hmm. So uh, some very good players there too. So you play Universal Battle a fair bit, I gather. Yeah, I play it more than on the table, mainly because uh, such a distance for me to get a game. Closest person's 45 minutes to an hour away. Mm. Mm. So Maybe I should get around this. Sounds Maybe you should. Like fun. It's, it's, it is good. At first, it's a little bit uh, hard to get used to. But now, a lot of, a lot of ways, it's actually better. Uh, your line of sight and things like that are automatic. Mm. So there's very few mistakes in it. Once you get used to it, it's, yeah, it's very good. Mm. Interesting. I haven't played it since very early versions of the software, so it'd be interesting to try it again sometime. I only ever yeah, seem to get games in at tournaments. So every time I play a tournament, I haven't played in quite a while, and I'm super yeah. rusty. So uh, that could be handy. Maybe we should crack out a game at some point, Benson, or, or mm. Mm. whatever. Yeah, for sure. Give it a go. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely worthwhile. I, I play uh, uh, Yan from down in Melbourne. Yep. Oh, yeah. Who was also in this tournament, by the way. Came My man, Yan. <laughs> yeah, myself, uh, Yan, and Jeff Ty from up in Sydney as well. We were all in the tournament. We'd uh, have practice games with each other, depending on what scenario it was, uh, because you'd had two weeks between each round. So there was time to get a practice game in, try out different armies and you know, have a chat about it after each game and see what we thought and where we could improve. Two okay. weeks between each round. So it's quite a, like a league kind of situation. It's almost yes. like playing a uh, like a Blood Bowl league for a few months or something. Yeah, yeah. It ran over nearly three months. Cool. Mm. Okay. So how many rounds was it, mate? Uh, five rounds. I think we actually started with 40-something players, but then a, a couple of them dropped out after a number of rounds. They couldn't make the games, etc. Yeah, but there was no one up the top end that actually dropped out. Yeah, as soon as you're up the top, mate, people start dropping off. <laughs> <laughs> they start giving up. Yeah, 
So with five rounds, we'll probably start to go through some of the people now just to have a look yep. at time. We don't want people to have a seven-hour podcast here. No. Mm-hmm. So do you remember who you played first up? Yes. First round was Kyle Poole from oh, yes. the US. He told me that he's won about five or six major GTs in America. Trying to psych you out already. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's great. That's the sort of person I want to play. I want to play the top players from over there and see how we... Yeah, great. Did, did you say um, the problem with those five or six GTs is they were just a heap of Americans and so you would have eaten them for breakfast? A <laughs> <laughs> uh, couple of my mates, uh, well, one of my mates, Ken Jones, he was, he was saying, oh, they're all a bunch of Muppets. <laughs> they're not Muppets. They're bloody good players but, yeah. and all really nice people as well. Mm. It's not good enough. No, <laughs> uh, they were tough games. They really Calm were. down, you patriots. I can throw shade. I'm on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, very, very tough game. I remember towards the end, I had it in turn six, and then in turn seven, he had the opportunity of getting it back to a draw. He had to shoot off one of my characters. I'm trying to think what it was. The uh, I was playing Forces of Nature. Of course, this is in about 2017 at this point, by the sounds of things. So. <laughs> no, yeah. It was back in May, and we have already done this interview, so we thought he's had to just remember it all and then get rid of it all. So Yeah, I, I, I do apologize. I just re- forget the names of units, etc. <laughs> I know what they are. Uh, Warden, you know the Wardens? Yep. Yeah, he had Forest to try and shoot shoot him off with the uh, blizzard spell, I think it was, mm. and he didn't succeed. It was a bit of a long shot. Their toughness five and decent nerve, and that blizzard can be great or it can be very mm. ordinary. So, yeah, tough game and one of, one of the closest ones during the tournament, actually. And do you yeah. jump on Discord with these blokes while you I was normally in? using Skype for most of the games. Okay, as opposed to just typing, like you're actually chatting away. and Yeah, stuff. I'm not great at typing. So. Cool. so what was Kyle running? Kingdoms of Men. It was a very well thought out list for the scenario. Not that I can remember what scenario we were doing now. Yep. So I remember it was... Uh, he had a scenario l- number two. <laughs> well, he, he had a lot of uh, flying characters, which was great for... I think it was the one where you capture the points. You have three points on the opposite side. Of the table once you score them at the end of your turn they then disappear okay yeah yeah yep. yeah yeah that's that i find that one heavily favors whoever goes first in some in some matchups yeah can do it to run in there and grab the token yeah i, I find a lot of people go for it too early uh mm. after a lot of practice games my first thought was oh yeah rush up grab it you know take it out right but I've found uh, with practice that letting the person come up and get it and then killing them, there's plenty of time to go and get those tokens if you've got the right build and you destroy half their army because they're giving you the charge by going up and collecting the token early. Come to think of it, that's exactly Mm. what Mike Crossman did to me last time we played that. (laughs) Mm. I'm going to write this down. Slow down, Jeff. I'm writing this down (laughs) as well. <laughs> Can you uh, so hypothetically, would it be turn two or three that you would start to go towards the tokens? I would, if the opportunity's there to do it without being countercharged or or giving myself putting myself in a bad position, I'll do it as early as possible. But right. a lot of people do it uh, just to the point of getting getting that point, but will sacrifice the unit. Mm-hmm. Where I don't think it's necessary game mm, okay that makes sense i guess most most of it's one round like four or five fifth turn 
probably. And did you play nature throughout the whole event, Jeff, or did you change no, armies up? I chopped and changed every game. All right, so let's jump into number two then. So you've you've just dismissed uh, Kyle Poole, one of the the better players over in the US there as well, and we jump into round two. Yep. Who did you come up against? Alex. Puss, I think he's yep, yep, yep. Uh, he was from Canada. Uh, the first round I played Nature. I'm not sure whether I said that. This second round I ended up using the Missiles, and he was using Ratkin. So I remember I was uh, quite, uh, I won't say scared, but uh, apprehensive about coming up against Ratkin. They're very good for scenario play. Well said, Jeff. <laughs> I said they're very, very good for scenario play, the Ratkin. Yeah, I agree. I was just agreeing with you, and then you said it again. That's even better. <laughs> reaffirm yeah I, I remember he was using the cavalry and i hadn't come up against them the new units that they had Ooh. the tunnel runners is that what the large called? cav yeah defense five and hit hit pretty hard yeah yeah they were quite scary but they died very quickly so that was good <laughs> <laughs> yeah i heard that yeah <laughs> so so during this battle with alex obviously you ended up on top but yep. uh, what did you find was his biggest threat? So obviously the unit strength is always going to be a massive asset for the Ratkin. What did you yep. find was difficult to come in if you're taken off his his uh, cavalry there pretty easily? Right. Well, he had the storm. Is it storm vermin? And the other ones within snare. So shock shock troops and blight. We're talking about. Yep. yep. So all the the major ones that are in there. The blight are always uh, tough. But I mm. I had a, a similar. You know, I had larvae in my list, which have ensnared. They can't fight. They're like 25 attacks hit on sixes, but they're defense four and ensnared. And I would use them as tar pits and then have the tortured souls and that come in and hit them in the flanks. So his uh, ensnare didn't really do him much good. Would you say the larvae are an understated unit? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, most people write them off. They don't. Yeah, they'll say that, oh, you'd use one, maybe a horde or a, a legion of them, but I normally run three hordes in the list. Three hordes. Yeah. So, Chief, 130 for a, a Fearless 22 Nerve horde with Ensnare. Yeah. Mm. That's pretty legit, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's yeah. really easy to underrate. Like, until you see it on the table yeah. a number of times, uh, it's hard to fully grasp how effective that minus one to hit is. Yeah, mm. especially on a unit that even if it dies, you don't really care. It's it's what you're putting it in there for, knowing that it, it is a tar pit, it's not going to kill something, and you've just got to have the, the big hitting units to come around the flanks. And they also uh, provide cover for the tortured souls, which is pretty important. That's mm. one thing that I must say in all of your armies, and I know that we'll discuss it later, but all of your armies every single unit has its purpose and its role where it's not just like this one here looks great like yep. a matt Selleck army but <laughs> every single one of your units it has a role it has a purpose and you definitely deploy it really really well and i think that if we have a look at some of some of the units that we talk through very shortly it's it's very much the yep. same so so how did you end up dismissing the canadian here that was uh, his army felt bits really did it was pretty much a, i think that was a 25 like the maximum score oh. by about turn five there was nothing left of his army he must have come back well because if you've like 25 dim yep. um he's come back and finished 19th overall so just oh, has he? Uh, yeah. 
just below halfway. Yep. Actually, exactly halfway. So yeah, he must have must have come back all right. Yeah, yeah. No, he was he was a decent player. Um, just uh, I can't really remember. I I don't remember ever having brilliant dice or anything like that through any of the games. Most of my dice were average, which I'm happy with. Hmm. I think he just got caught out by the list build, and yeah, I'm normal. I normally always play for scenarios. So even sensible, handsome Canadians with wise army choices uh, are going to struggle up against the Traster with average dice. <laughs> <laughs> well said. <laughs> All right, so round two's done. We've milked yep. the maple tree, and now we're on to <laughs> we're on to number three. Who was your third opponent? Mate? Right. Well, by the start of round three, I was on table, so that twenty five pushed me up to the top table. So I knew <laughs> I was going to get all the the top players then. Early was, lead. I was happy at that stage just to have been in the lead at some point during the tournament. I remember that as well. <laughs> so at least I can say I got to the top of it. And this was a guy by the name of Chris Fisher. Yep. Again, from the US. And um, I saw just after that tournament, our tournament had finished, that he won a, a big GT over there as well, probably a week or two afterwards. So. Yeah, sure did. And that was with his Basilia. Very powerful list. Had well, had those formations, the one with the, the, angels. the angels. Yep. Yep. And the other one with the cavalry as well, I think. Is the one with the cavalry? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. The Holy Lancers are the knight formation. Yep. It gives them elite. So that's two Paladin Knight regiments and Naeus Celestis. Yes. That's the knights on foot. Are they the knights on foot? No, they're uh, cavalry. Horsey oh, they're cavalry. Right. The, the foot ones, he had the... Uh, the Penitence Mob, I believe. Crikey. So he had all these flying angels and heaps of cavalry as well. Uh, quite a very high-impact kind of yeah. trip force. Had the Ur Elahoy, had the Phoenix as well. Mate, are you sure you were running the same point limit? Yeah. He <laughs> <laughs> had one of the Abesses. They're really good. The single character that runs around. Yep, the little four-attacker. Yep. yep. Was he mounted or? Yeah, he was mounted. Yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't go without a mounted. The speed ten and yeah, one hundred and ten points. Yeah, yeah, very good. And he had a panther chariot horde. A horde. Sisterhood panther chariots. Yeah, they were. They were. It might have been a regiment. I'm not sure. They were very good. So what? What were you playing against the Basilians? Uh, went back to nature for the third game. Very close. I remember at the end of turn six, I, I went second. He had a a combat that he'd won uh, with the Elahoy. And he needed an overrun of three inches, I believe, to get his unit into the zone. I think we were playing Dominate. And he only rolled a one, so he didn't get in. So he was losing on turn six. But then we did roll up at turn seven. He got it back to a draw in his turn. And then I had uh, two combats. Either one, if I won either of them, I would win the game. One was uh, had Agni, the big uh, fire monster, go into the rear of a of the chariots and he did 27 wounds i think or something like that <laughs> Holy but uh, i double wondered oh, oh no yeah that was that bloody was, dice that was fun and then i had the phoenix which i double charged as well front and flank and i think i needed a five twice but i got it so hey. that got me the win in turn seven so uh, yeah another tough game not, not an easy opponent as i said they're all really nice people so and for those who haven't seen agni Banu, who's the greater fire elemental um in forces of nature is melee four defense five nine attacks but he's crushing strength four piercing four on his breath attack 12 as well as vicious 
Yeah, it's his breath attack that that does the job. Mm. What's his name? Agnes or something? Agni Banu. Banu. Great bloke. Okay. <laughs> 260 point fire elemental. Yeah. I, I thought he wasn't worth it when I first looked at it, but uh, after using him a few times, I found him extremely good. Cool. So he sort of has a similar role to like a flying dragon kind of affair? Is that is that what he's about? He's only speed six, though. Oh. And he doesn't fly. Yeah, he doesn't shamble either like the other. Mm. That's a lot of points for a non-flying monster, so he must yep. hit pretty hard. Well, yeah. as I said, it's the... It's the damage he does with the breath attack. So you've got an 18-inch mm. threat with him. Mm. That alone, he's pumping out normally six wounds a turn because it's vicious when he shoots as well. So he's always wounding on twos and re-rolling one. So you're normally getting your five or six wounds. But I'd tag team him with the other guy with Alchemist Curse. Mm. Nearly always guarantee three or four wounds off that one as well. So I had that, and then I had a trick with the flying air elemental. So I'd come in, shoot, shoot with Agni, shoot with the alchemist curse, bring the flying air elemental within charge range, shoot with that with the lightning bolt, and then surge him into the flank or rear or whatever. And I'd just, kill just dragons, etc. in one go with that combo. You're a monster. Oh, <laughs> it was a monster. Yeah, wow. it's a, a very good combination, and there's not a lot you can do about it. Well, there is stay away and (laughs) (laughs) throw rubbish at him so so pretty much it was that sort of trick that uh got chris fisher out of the way well as i said he had a really good strong list too so it was a a really big battle how did how did you deal with the angels because those things they're always everywhere i don't want them to be they're always on my wings because they they just pop up and then they obviously pivot that 90 degrees and I just can't ever seem to stop them. And when I do, they just sort of get out of the way and fly away anyway. So how yeah, did you yeah. sort of deal with them? I believe at the end of the game, both units were still alive. Of course they were. But with the less unit strength that they're worth, that, that brings them down a little bit for scenario yeah. play. Yeah, obviously the nimble neg one. Yeah. So I think I killed the majority of the rest of his army, but uh, they were still running around. I remember I got the little character... The air yeah, yep. Yeah, I got him with the with the surging air elemental because he came up the back of my army and I turned around and got him. <laughs> at the end of the day, you're looking at the scenario and what points you can get in. And I usually sit there, work out how much unit strength the person's got or the number of scoring units they've got, figure out how many I have to delete to uh, get myself in a winning position. Often I know I've won the game by turn four against someone. Hmm, really? Yep. So all of your moves are in the first, effectively, or most of your players are in that first four to get dominance. Yeah, just to, to I'll, I'll have a, a plan of what I need to do to win the scenario, and then I'll do it, especially the small elite armies, which is what the majority of people run. You might only have, you know, uh, six or seven scoring units. A lot of them run, you know, lists with nine, nine or ten, and then a few of them are characters. If it's one where we need to score or unit strength or whatever, I'll target the easier parts of their army, destroy them. I'll often leave the, the bigger, harder ones to kill. Uh, let them go and kill something or try and delay them. That's usually the best, the best way of doing it, delay them and have so much unit strength or sco- scoring units left that they've got no chance of beating me. They just can't get around to doing it. Hmm. It sounds like uh, my strategy only more effective. <laughs> yeah, normally by turn four, I'm like, well, I don't have much left. So Yeah, well, most people just have kill in their head and that's it. 
Let's go mm. kill the other person's army, which is effective if you do kill their army, obviously. Yeah, I don't do that either. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I think we spoke about CanCon last time, how I was third or fourth lowest uh, attrition. Yeah, you sure were. The whole tournament. To the point, and I know that we're... I'm not going to exaggerate this too much, but I remember having a look at the end of day one... Uh, and it's a big two-day tournament. I thought that there was a typo. You were down at least... You were up at the top of the list, but you were only half of everyone that was around you. And I thought that they'd forgotten to put your kill points in. Yeah. It looked like that, didn't it? It did. And I remember having a chat to Benson and uh, Spoon and Poppy Hugh over a couple of beers as well and just going, oh, surely that's not right. We decided you'd probably taken in just an army with a series of bricks that you'd painted dwarves on. <laughs> that, that wasn't was intentional list, either, right? I can tell you. So uh, I'd come up uh, against some really strong lists in, in mm. Con, and a lot of them killed a lot more of my army than killed of theirs. It's just that I was still able to win the scenario. Yeah, so Cancon's Australia's largest tournament. I think we had up over fifty players uh, last yeah. year, and the year before that, I think it was sixty-three. Uh, and I think you won that one, didn't you, Tracy? Yeah, I. Second this year, first last year, uh, second the year before, and then the first one, I think I got fourth or fifth. Oh, terrible. <laughs> yeah, that was the first one in it. We're three games in, yep. and so by now we're probably, I don't know how many, six, seven weeks, and they, they give you the fourth round. Who was the fourth fourth victim? Patrick Zorro Allen, is it? Yep, yeah, yeah, Patrick Allen. Yep. And he was the uh, US master, not last year, but the year before, so... He was one of the ones that I, I really wanted to have a chance of uh, playing against because he'd been the top in America. So that was a, a good opportunity to play the, the real top pins, so to speak. Hmm. I'd, I'd seen him in the chat beforehand each round. He'd, he'd let his opponent pick which army he would use. He's very similar to me. He'll use all sorts of armies. It doesn't really bother him. And he said the same to me once we started talking. And I said, look, you know, I'd rather you just use what you want to use. And he said, oh, no, no, no. He said, uh, at, at least give me two armies and I'll pick one of those. I said, okay, well, I'll do that. I said, but I'll tell you what I'm using so that there's no you know, advantage to me. Because mm. I, I didn't want to play him and then feel like it, it wasn't really a win if I did get to beat him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I gave him the choice of Nature or uh, League of Rodia, which were two of my favourites. I ended up using Neretica with uh, Night Stalker allies. Originally, I told him that I'd probably use Night Stalkers, and then a couple of days before, I said, oh, look, I'm going to use uh, Neretica with the Night Stalker allies instead. Got an idea in my head and, yeah, went with that. So uh, Very noble of you. Yeah, well, it's... Uh, as I said, you know, you don't want to go to this level and then feel like you only won because you got to, you know, yeah. give them a certain army and then you could to beat that army. It'd be quite easy too. Yeah, you don't get the opportunity to play the top US brass every day, so you want to no. you want to make a game of it. In fact, yeah. actually, next like we've never actually played you and I, Jeff, but um, if we do at some point. I'll actually allow you to use whatever armor you brought. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how about this? You do that, and then I'll tell you what I'm using when we get. Okay, (laughs) perfect. Just to make it fair. This is beautiful. Yeah. Such friendship. (laughs) 
Yeah, so uh, he ended up with a very interesting list. I do remember most of it. He had a couple of regiments of the Fighty Cav. Which army? Uh, this is Nature he, he picked. The Bray Hunters? Uh, yes. The Bray, uh, Bray Striders. Bray Striders. The, yeah, 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 he had a couple of them, and he had a couple of Bray Hunters as well. Yeah. He had the, the Flying Shooting Unit, the Sylph Talon Riders. Mm-hmm. He had a tree man, he put elite on him, and he had the blizzard, I believe, on that one. That was a good combo, actually. A lot of people take blizzard. Do you think it's overpowered? Uh, I don't know that it's overpowered, but it, it scares the bejesus out of you. Because <laughs> if you've got vulnerable characters, you know, one good hit, and so you spend half your time hiding things. It's, it's like a fly going down the flank. Um, mm. As soon as it gets there, even if it mightn't be able to kill something, you're still turning half your army, and uh, the psychological effect it has on you and your game is, is the winning formula, really. It's, Some it's, of the threat is more effective yeah. than the, the actual uh, effect on the table sometimes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. So uh, it has that sort of effect because it can be, you know, no hits or it could be 10 or 12 hits. And a lot of people put piercing on their characters as well that use it. Mm-hmm. Came up against one the other day uh, with the elves because they get elite and he just continually rolled ones and then he re rolled yeah. a four. So that was a bit nightmarish. Okay, I think I've got that. Take lizard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, it was a very shooty list, but I took mainly Thule as the core of my Nereticans. Hmm. They are only defense three, but they're also stealthy, so that had quite an impact. I think for my allies, I had the Phantoms, a regiment of Phantoms, and I had the Void Loop. Give me a, a big flyer because the Nereticans don't have any of the flyers in their list. So how many Thul did you have? Because they're only 140 for a regiment Yeah, I have with about, 20 attacks on them. About six regiments, I think. And they're both ensnare and stealthy, so... It takes a bit to take one regiment off, even though they are defense three. You have yeah. to hit the things first. Yeah, yeah. They're great against crushing strength armies. And even if you don't have crushing strength, or often I don't even take Bane Chant, uh, against a defense five unit, they're still whacking out four to five wounds every round. And if you get them in the flank, you know, they're, they're still pushing out the damage. And because they are cheaper, you're getting more units, which means you can outmaneuver your opponent. And do you put any artifacts on them, yeah, or you just keep rare. them naked? Just yeah, just whatever. If if I do put any, it's normally one to stop the the wavering on them. That's their biggest problem. Ah, okay, yeah. Because the the nerve's not very great. So yeah, fourteen, sixteen. It's not terrible yeah. though for a hundred. No, it's points. not terrible. But yeah, I find that's the biggest problem I have with them is them wavering. You're better off just putting a banner or something like that and giving the extra nerve to three or four of them. Mm. Mm. Than putting in items. Yeah, I find them very effective. And that one ended up a, a 25 as well, I think. <laughs> now, it sounds like you had a pretty good matchup in the end against uh, Pat or yes. Alan. Yep. Yeah. And he said, Oh, first I thought you were taking uh, Night Stalk. And I said, Well, how would that help you be <laughs> going to <laughs> the Redicans? Because, you know, Night Stalkers, you knew they all had stealth and you've taken a shooting army. So, you know. You're actually kind of doing him a. A favour. A favour, yeah. Yeah, well, not that I knew he was taking all <laughs> yeah. shooting either, so I had no idea what he was taking. But with a, if if you know the person's taking a stealth army, you wouldn't be going big on the shooting, I wouldn't. 
believe anyway. But that's all right. Mm. I'm sure that uh, Pat had some sort of thought there. Yeah. Um, so by the the end of the fourth round, so we're one round to go, another two weeks wait. Yep. We go into the fifth and uh, final round. Who were you up against? What did you take? What did they take? Tell us everything. Matt Schaefer. Mm-hmm. He took uh, Kingdoms of Men. He'd use them every single round, and he made it quite clear that he was going to use them through the tournament because he said, you know, the sky will probably fall in if he wins it with uh, <laughs> Kingdoms of Men. And I had seen him play one game before he played Jeff Ty, probably in round two or something. Oh, so you can participate the games as well, can you? Yeah, you can go Does in and watch observe. Hmm. Yeah. So when when either uh, Yan or Jeff were playing, if I had the time, I'd pop in and have a watch of a, a bit of their games and they'd do the same vice versa, watch some of mine at the time. So, yeah, just sit on the sideline, see what happens. It was a good list. The, the Kingdoms of Men list now, especially with that uh, captain, is, is very good. The, the plus two rallying for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the shenanigans really, that he can pull. Yeah, really uh, pushes it up. I know in that first game... I remember Kyle used it very effectively through all his cavalry from one side to another side and completely dominated one flank. So he come down, I couldn't stop it. Interesting. Mm. Just crushed the rest of his army. So. <laughs> yeah, so Matt had the, the usual thing, the flyers, the chariots are very popular with them as well because they're speed nine, do a bit of shooting, you know, take up a lot of uh, real estate. Yep. And that was the one game where my dice abandoned me. I end up rolling three or four double ones, I think. So, uh, and so how well did you do in that last game, even with the uh, Mudgy dice? Yeah, I, I still won reasonably convincingly. I think 22, <laughs> uh, but I, I would have been, uh, no no disrespect to him, but it would have been, I would have uh, cleaned him up. Yeah, so Matt ended up finishing fourth overall, yep. and that was... Um, Pretty sure by one-tenth, less than one-tenth, he ended up coming second, so he nearly podiumed. So uh, it was a pretty good effort there by Matt. Yeah. So anything else you can sort of tell us about that game there? I just remember the dice. I can't even remember where I threw them, but I remember thinking, why is it happening on this game of all games? <laughs> this is my opportunity to, to win the tournament and you're starting to pull all the double ones out, but... Um, yeah, I was, I was still able to get into a position and get the scenario. And I think I do remember near the end, he he realised, I, I knew in that game by turn five that I'd won it. He didn't. Till turn six, he went, oh, oh, oh. And right, he's just realised what's gone on here. I'd already <laughs> shut him down. There was no way he could get back to get uh, one of the objectives, whatever it was. But uh, yeah, I had it sewn up on five. So and we were pretty even on points. So, uh, we both killed about the same of each other's army. Yeah, just shut him out of the scenario. Uh, that's it. So with the uh, downfall of Matt Schaefer there, uh, it takes you to the very, very top of the uh, call to arms too, the champion of the world at this stage that we're calling it. <laughs> well, um, so a massive nice congratulations. P- sorry, what was that? Oh, I was just going to say it was no official world championship or Tonight. anything. The, 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 we'll, it is we'll now. Sure. We've, we've deemed it. We've <laughs> Doesn't well, even play a UK person, and we'll call it. So that, that's fine. Well, Wherever I played they're... lots of UK people, and yeah, I lost my first game to one of them the other day. Kill scenario. Oh, there's your problem. And he uh, <laughs> yeah. took not playing to the objective. List. <laughs> he knew what I was using for a tournament, and he he, he brought it out. He did it the t- game before as well. He, he brought it out. He says, oh, "I want to see how how you go up against this," because he knew it had 
hurt my army and I still beat him on scenario. <laughs> Take that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was funny. I had, I had two hordes of depth horrors and three of the uh, little swarms left and he mm -hmm. still had probably 70, 80% of his army left. But I think it was on turn five, he says, oh, I'm going to have to go. He said, I think we've uh, answered the question anyway. You know, my army's destroyed yours. I said, yes, you've destroyed it. I said, but you're going to lose the game. You know that. <laughs> he said, what are you talking about? I'm not going to lose the game. I said, yeah, you will. He said, oh, but what if I go over and destroy us? You've got your archers can't even get within range to shoot me on turn six. So you've got one guy with a blizzard who's going to take out a dash 18 unit in one go. Yeah. Good yeah. luck with that. <laughs> I said, but, you know, if you want to, we'll finish it off. So we did the next day and he conceded. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had nothing left of my army. But, uh, still one. It was very funny. I had the two depth horrors uh, over on one flank, both touching each other, and they were both covering the three swarm troops and every unit had a token on and he only had four units left in his army. So it was a very elite army. So that was, again, mm. it was another one of those ones where I worked out what, what I needed to kill and what I needed to win the game. So I don't care sacrificing things, that's fine. Yeah. So, Tracy, obviously 38 people, probably 40-plus at the start. Uh, you've played yeah. a few. You've finished first. You've conquered the world. Out of that whole list, was there anyone that you wished you had played? Yes, I uh, would have liked to play uh, Tom Ennis. Tom Ennis, yeah. Yeah, Jesse, I would have liked to play him. Jesse Cornwell, yeah. Yep, Matt Young was another one, because well, I've watched a few of the videos, the yep. YouTube ones. So. Mastercrafted. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, none of the, well, Jesse was on there. He's the only one from that yep. was on. So, yeah, I would have liked to play those guys. So. Have you played them since? No. Not yet. Uh, well, I guess if you're listening out there, Tracy is officially calling you out. So <laughs> you'd better toughen up and, uh, you know, respond to that via PM or something, I guess. Yeah, no, there's a, I'd love to play all of them. I get the opportunity. I've got to get a game with Adam Hadley as well. I told yeah. him after the tournament because he said, I was really regretting that he didn't get to watch any of my game. And I said, well, how about we have a game? Then you can see how I play. would be the best way because I think he's ranked number one in the UK, or he was at the time. That, that'd be a good matchup. <laughs> now, they've got a very competitive circuit over there, so um, if you can be the top of the tree over there, you're yep. uh, doing a great job. So, Tracy, I've just had a look at... For an Englishman. For an Englishman. For an Englishman. Yeah, that's it. So we've got the Ashes <laughs> coming up as well, so uh, we'll see how we all deal with that. World Cup first. But uh, if we have a look at Tracy you over the last, what will it be, four years. So if we go back to Kings of Win, which was one of your first tournaments over that period that you came third mm -hmm. in, you have played Dwarfs, Nature, Night Stalkers, Trident Realms, Empire of Dust, Forces of the Abyss, League of Rordia, Ogres, o Orcs. You've played absolutely everything. What's your favourite and why? So I know that you've sort of mentioned and alluded to it earlier that Nature's and League of Rordia are your favourite. Can you just talk us through which is your favourite and why? It'd be hard. I'd, I have favourite units in, in certain armies. I would say that. Uh, mm -hmm. my, my top three armies at the moment, and that's about the best I could narrow it down to would be... I'll take it. Night Stalkers, Nature and League of Rodia. They'd be my three favourite armies. And then each one has a certain aspect that draws me to them. So uh, with uh, Nature, I love all the monsters. I think they're great, great monsters. Their infantry is very poor, but 
you you look at a, another list where the infantry is fantastic in Neretica. I love the Thule. Mm. Uh, as I said, they're my favourite unit in that. But they lack on the side of flyers, etc. And then uh, Night Stalkers, uh, the Dread Fiends, probably one of my favourites. 120 points. I don't think you can go past him. One of the best uh, value large cavalry characters in the game. It's only 120 points and 14, 17 nerve and speed eight. And he's brilliant. Very attractive. Yeah, and if you if you know, 14, 17 on 120 points. Yeah, yeah, and stealthy. Strength, uh, crushing strength to and vicious. Rocky, <laughs> yeah. okay. somebody have a look at that. But again, you know, you'll go there, but then they'll have other ones, and that's how they built it, which is fantastic. Hmm. Well. You probably can't really nerf your playstyle, Jeff, because you'll just pick up one of your other 16 armies and uh, do just as well anyway. <laughs> and just continue. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter which army you use. It really doesn't. Favourites because I, I like using them. And uh, often, especially if I'm travelling, I'll go for the smaller build, uh, the ones that don't have as many models. Do you like that about Kings of War in general, that it feels like quite a balanced game compared with others oh. you've played? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's what I love about it more than anything because uh, obviously dice play part of the game. Um, we know that, but it it really does come down to more how you and it is. There's nothing. You might get a little bit of paper scissor rock with some armies, but each each army can have a hundred different. So even that doesn't really come into play. So Jeff, I've just had a very abusive text message just come through. <laughs> It's obviously somebody that's a little bit rowdy tonight, but it's from League of Rawdia, actually, uh, that mm. you're saying is your to go-to date. And apparently you haven't used League of Rawdia since 2016 in a tournament. So what is the go there, mate? You can't be going around calling it your favourite <laughs> army and never f***ing using it. <laughs> I used it the other... I used it last week. In a tournament? No, nah, not in a tournament. Mate, it doesn't uh, matter. I've if you're not taking it to the restaurant, <laughs> mate... You can't just cook at dinner at home and say it's your woman. Uh, honestly, it's the number of models I've got to pull out for that one. <laughs> so when are we going to when are we going to see it, mate? League of Rodia back in the tournament scene. You used it once. You came first. There was ten people at that tournament. That isn't even a real tournament. What is going on there? It's only the Masters. <laughs> yeah, that was the Masters. That's right. Yeah. No. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll pull it out again. As I said, I nearly used. I was nearly going to this weekend coming. I've got a tournament in Canberra I'm going down to and I've used I've been doing practice games for the last couple of weeks and I'm up to my fourth different army in practice at the moment so <laughs> yeah league was one of the ones and I had a all it takes is one idea about one thing and then that's it I'm gone. off mm. on a different tangent and I'm running with that and then chopping and changing and yeah so uh, I'm probably back to nature on this one so when, when are we going to see it? Is it going to be uh, 2019 that we'll see League of Rodia reintroduced yeah, I'll get into that. your... Yeah, gonna... I'll get that. Are we going to hold you to that, Trashy? Yeah, you can hold me to it. All right. I'm going to write it down on my pad. Yeah. That's also got a lot of tactics that I've learnt off you, so that's good. <laughs> hopefully uh, hopefully there's enough tournaments for me to get it in and I'm not stuck to one one list for the Masters or something like that. No, get it, mate. Really get I could use that in the Masters as well. <laughs> well, you did last time. <laughs> when I, just I, don't like being, I don't <laughs> like being stuck to one thing too much. I like to, to chop and change. 
Very, very true. So I know that you've obviously played a lot of armies, and I know it's a little bit different yep. from us. So over here, we review a lot of armies, and we obviously play against a lot of armies to have a look at good combinations. Being using them and using them successfully, could you give us maybe one, maybe two of your best combinations that you've used, and how did you use them, just briefly? Right. Well, I think I did cover a couple of the ones, and... That was the one with the nature and the air elementals. That's that's very effective. That's the the shooting and then the surging in. It's, it's something that's been used in a lot of other lists, but this is a little bit more effective. As I said, it, it can kill a, a dragon in one go, so it's a quite effective little combination. Uh, the one with the abyssals with larvae just marching up the board and copping whatever you throw at us and then uh, being able to position your other units so that wherever they hit, they get flanked. That's very effective. Mm -hmm. League of Rodia, let me think. Mm. Some ones in I'll there. text this as well. I like using the halflings in that. Very hard to shoot off the table. Same thing, high nerve units can move up the board, run your uh, dukes on ancient Arales. Mm -hmm. Them coming down, they're not as strong as a dragon, but they'll they'll give that threat. They still fly around and punch things. Mm. Yeah, that's right. They'll, they'll give the threat and... The main thing is just anchoring people down on units that they think that they can go through, but they can't. Mm. And if they commit too much to go through them, then you've just got to be in a position that they're going to pay a high price for it. That's not really a set tactic. Well, Tracy, coming up here in uh, Melbourne in the near future, at the time of recording at least, mm. is uh, Convict, which is a fun little tournament. Yes. One of our larger ones in Melbourne, actually. It with is seven games at various different points levels and stuff so i think with that in the near future at the time of recording possibly it's right around the corner or possibly it's just happened uh, depending on when this is released but yeah uh, what the people really want to know is what are your favorite ratkin tactics <laughs> that's one one arm that against. i've never played with i sold my uh well i didn't sell it i gave it away rightfully so gave it to a friend when i went to war machine crikey I had my pad out and everything. <laughs> yeah, I only play the armies that I can actually field. I see. Which is like 12 I, I, armies. But... Well, I use uh, proxies for things. Like a lot of the War Machine stuff I've just rebased and can do a lot of different ones with them because they had a lot of monsters and ogre type units and you know bog-trog ambushes, which are just like fishmen. And, mm. um, yeah, lots of different things from there that I, I've used because I never bothered selling the stuff. So... Just rebased it and very good for all the nature monsters. And then I do have uh, a lot of other armies. You get the human army and that, that covers you in a way for Basilia, for League of Rodia, for Kingdoms of Men. So you can run three different ones. Just a little bit of change here or there with mm. that. So it's not that hard. I always played Undead and I had uh, the old Tomb King. So that had those ones covered. Orcs, I think, are one. Same with the Abyssals. I want to make army box of them. Right. That's not a problem I ever had. Winning too much? No, winning armies. <laughs> That's just right. Oh. Hmm. My problem is not being able to put them together and paint them on. Yeah, I also have that problem. So. Hmm. Yeah, I don't actually have any good things on this page. But... <laughs> That's all right. Um, so, Tracy, obviously we've just paused your game of uh, Total War Warhammer. So I only have two two more questions here. Yep. So the first one is, when you are building a fresh army, so hypothetically yes. think you're starting your 13th or 14th army, how are you going to start building and what is the first thing that goes into your mind and then 
the second and third, so on. Right. Well, not what normally happens is think of a unit. So I might be running, say, at the League of Rodia, and I'm looking at a certain unit, and then I think, okay, um, the ones in Abyssals, I'll compare them. I think, geez, that's really good. And if it catches my attention, I'll go to that, and then I'll build around that unit. So that's how I I build an army. Mm -hmm. I think about what weaknesses and strengths. I always look at what will I do against flyers, what will I do against shooting, and what will I do against armies. They're the three major things that I, I look at. So you tend to take all comers' armies, you'd say, yep. in any given faction? Yes, yeah. I, mm. I want a, a list that can take on everything, no matter what, what it is, and at least give me a chance in it. I, I don't want to have a, a scissor-to-rock type type list. So that that's what happens when you take all melee or all shooting. You will get in those positions where you'll, you'll slaughter people and then you'll come mm -hmm. up so preferably the kind of list where if you were to play, say, I don't know, the master of, of the US and you were to roll four double ones, you would still comfortably win. That's the kind of list you prefer. Because <laughs> oh, that's the kind of list I'd prefer to. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I, I remember I lost to Clint Richards, who's a, a fantastic yeah, he is. Held the number one for a long time here in Australia. And I uh, was playing him in a tournament up in Newcastle. And I'd made a mistake early on and he made me pay for it. And I slowly ground my way back into the game. And then on turn five, six, I rolled a double one, which was enough to get him the win. He got four to three on the scenario. Mm. So you can't afford uh, those sort of things when you're playing someone of you know, the same sort of caliber. So mm. someone who's very good. It yeah, like a fellow be. Australian. I'm with you. I see right. that was the moral of that, that tale. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. jokes aside, Clint Richards, absolutely amazing. I think he's uh, played 11 tournaments already this year and he's sitting Jesus. very close like his second. No, he doesn't like his family. <laughs> but um, best in race for Night Stalkers over here, Trident Realms, Undead, naturally he's played the most amount of armies as well so um yep. yeah jeff if you're naturally matching up against him then you've got a pretty good opponent to hone your skills to take out some of the world but that leads into my next question before we get sidetracked yep. is last question here what are your tips for hugh and myself and the rest of the world we've got one russian listener i'm not sure if you can speak russian so we'll probably just go in english but uh yep. What tips would you give us on how to win? So what are, what are, what should we be thinking through the first, second, all the way through to the potential seventh mm. turn on how to win? Right. Well, scenario has to be the number one thing. You've got to look at what your, what the scenario is, uh, look at the list build that they've got and the list build that you've got. You should actually be building your list before you get into the game with that in mind and have a look at each of the scenarios and make sure that you've got a list that can be competitive in those scenarios because there are there are certain ones if you build you win it's like having uh, invade and you've got a all shooty list that's sitting back shooting you you know mm. um, i've played people with those armies had next to nothing left but you still win because they're not moving off the back of the table mm. yeah that's actually a good piece of advice in fact with convict around the corner at the time of recording i think this is really good advice because each different point limit, that's a scaling one where you start with 1495 yep. and you play 1995 for two games and then you play 2250 for, I yep. think, it's three games. 
Because you know, you have to submit lists ahead of time for each of those three point values. But you know the two scenarios that they'll be playing, mm. or three in the case of the larger ones. So you could build an army specifically designed to take on those scenarios. Sounded Sounds like yeah. that's a bit like what you did, Tracy, in that uh, internal battles. <clears throat> oh, definitely. I When I made my list, I would look at the scenario and I would definitely look at how my list would handle that for sure good to know yeah that to me that's the number one okay so scenarios we've got that make the list making sure you're thinking about the scenarios what about scenarios done you built your list what's next as i said look at the what your options are against flyers that'd be my number one hmm. if you come up against a list that's got dragons running down your flanks and that what are you going to do if you don't have an answer go back that's interesting because you will come up against that sort of thing quite often. Write that down here. Yeah, Next one is the shooting. What if they're going to shoot you off the table? Especially the uh, the war machines. They're so one minute they're hopeless, next minute they'll win the game, and I really dislike that or coming up against that. So I have to have an answer for that. What am I going to do if I come up against that sort of list? So, yeah, there's a, a lot to think about before you go into each one. And then uh, what models have you got? <laughs> you can't always take everything. Fair enough. That's it. We're that's not- my main criteria. Online. Yeah. Yeah. That's Spencer's yeah. yeah. main and mine too. Yeah. Well, we're, we're all in the same. But I've got obviously quite a big range to choose from. Mm. Yeah. That, that's. But it has to be painted. Yeah. All my stuff's painted. I used to pay my kids pocket money to paint stuff. <laughs> 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 They're all grown up now. Cost t- cost me t- a little sweatshop. <laughs> <laughs> Any tips on terrain management during the deployment phase? I I think, uh, you know, Swordmark. Yep, yep, uh, yep. He's very good at looking at deployment and the terrain. I'd say he's probably better at that than I am. He sets all his army up with a purpose. I do to a certain extent, but I find I'm just better in the in-game mechanics once it gets started, seeing what's happening and... Uh, I played a lot of chess, so I, I can think two or three turns ahead and where something needs to be. So that, I think, is my best asset. But, yeah, the obvious things, you know, what ones have got Pathfinder, what's going to block it up, where the objectives are, uh, placing your objectives, you know, if you've got Pathfinder or don't have Pathfinder. Do you find Pathfinder to be a particularly important rule in Kings of War? Because I feel, I feel like it is quite important. It, it, it is, but you can get away without having it. Mm. I love it when I have got it. So when I'm using my nature list, I love the fact that I can just go tearing mm-hmm. through anything I like and then I get to a table that's got hardly any woods and I go, ah, oh, damn. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> seems like one of the the better army-wide special rules though. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's certainly uh, frees your movement up, whereas uh, some of the other rules are, are, are better for for the actual combat like vicious or elite or something like that for actual movement of an army the uh pathfinders mm. that lets you uh really move your army where you need to without any hindrance would you say that sword master is probably the better of the deployers that you've ever come up against well he is when he talks about a battle report and <laughs> uh, and i say that I because so. it is easier obviously to look at something after you've done it and yeah. then say well you know i shouldn't mm. have done I did this for that but he does i i played him quite quite often uh we haven't played for a few months but um we were playing every week there for a while yeah he would set up uh quite well and he'd, he'd really look at the terrain and how he how he was doing it and yeah he was one of the better ones that i've seen 
soon for sure. Uh, and I don't rate myself as as great for deployment. I tend to whack things down the way I like the look of them, and I won't say I just put them anywhere because uh, I might have certain things. If I've got Alchemist Curse, then I, I'm I want to be targeting your defense six, whatever. So I'll leave those sort of things that have got a particular job. In my last appointments but all right well we'll probably end it there tracy uh once again a massive thank you again this is obviously the second time we've recorded this um so i do yep. <laughs> do appreciate your time coming in helping out talking about very similar things that we've talked about before um so and obviously yourself hugh thanks for coming in and having a bit of a chat with us no worries do appreciate everyone obviously we've got pages and pages of notes of how to improve our game tracy um, so a massive, a massive thank you again. Uh, last words from you, Benson. Thanks for coming on again, and thanks for sticking with us for another hour and a bit, yeah. chatting about the same thing that you've done before. Well, look, I'm passionate about it, Lisa. Yeah, it, it was really interesting uh, meeting you properly, Trashy, and it was really nice hearing you um, talk all your words of wisdom. And I'm very pleased uh, that all four of us, you know, humbly, I'd like to suggest all four of us have room to improve uh, when it comes to Ratkin. definitely definitely i'll wait till i have my first game but the mechanics are the same whether it's ratkin or anything else they've got a lot of good obviously that's what you use ratkin yes yep they're my preferred (laughs) obviously that's what he uses (laughs) (laughs) well we'll get a game and then after it i'll uh uh, tell me what i did wrong yeah i'll go through what i think about it but it's yeah they're very good list very good awesome no too easy all right guys we'll uh sign off here thanks tracy world number one thanks uh sort kind of um so a massive thank you again uh and thank you to our listeners good night see you fans see you later see you Yeah, direct misfire blowing up the game. Talking many war games is our aim. Rule books to advice, we cover it all. With the best tactics, we never fall. Bend some spoon and sell liquor in the mix. Math hammer doesn't work, it's a trick. Follow along, stay up to date. Comment, like, subscribe today. Come check us out on Facebook and Twitter at Direct Misfire. If you want to shoot us an email, directmisfire at gmail.com. We, we really do just talk crap.